0: It's so good to be here one last time in Japan uh, before Suzanne and I head out to Seattle this Thursday. We've been taking a little bit of a journey through James, pretty lickety-split through each chapter, one chapter per week. Um, And I've been preaching four weeks, this is the fourth week. James has five chapters. We did chapter one, the first week, chapter two, the second week, chapter three, the third week and each one of them pressed the limits of the amount of time I'm allowed to have sharing the word here. We're doing two chapters this morning, and so (laughs) I'm gonna have to go super fast through this. James actually has so many amazing illustrations from the Japanese language in it. Um, It would take weeks and weeks and weeks to share all of them. But today, I'm just picking essentially just two kanji. It'll look like there's a whole lot more, but we're only really looking at two of them. There's going to be five. One of them actually has three parts and we'll be going through those three parts. And in all the other services, I prepared a little skit or story or illustration ahead of time. Unfortunately, we don't have time for that today, so I'm not going to be doing a little jig this morning. (laughs) But the message itself, this morning is a story. The whole thing is going to be a story. Uh, So (laughs) this is going to be a real tough one for me because it's meant a lot to me when I discovered it. Mm -hmm. Just this summer when my mom and dad asked me to preach it was the first time that I actually saw this kanji I'm going to share today. I've never shared it with anyone else ever. No one has ever seen this. I mean, uh, Japanese have seen this, but, (laughs) um, but not in this way that I'll be sharing it today. So today's title of this message is He Desires to Dwell with Us. The He is Jesus, and He desires to dwell with us. In chapter one, we found out the foundation for our faith. The foundation for our faith is God's word and we discovered that an illustration found in Japanese kanji is the kanji for belief or faith. And that kanji is written as a person standing next to the word. When you put those two parts together, they actually form the word belief or faith. How much more appropriate is that symbol, that illustration, than that exact drawing, showing a person standing next to the Word of God. This is what that image looked like. This is the kanji for Shinjiru or Shinja, a person that's a believer or someone that is going to believe, Shinko for faith. And we discovered that Jesus himself is called the Word of God from the very beginning, before the world was even created. He was given that name. He is the Word of God. No other person on the planet, no other God is given that name. Just Jesus. At the end of time, we see him again in Revelation, and his name is called the Word of God. So for all time, Jesus is called the Word of God. When someone stands and chooses to stand and follow God, follow Jesus, he is becoming a true believer, exhibiting true faith. No other religion can do this. This is just the relationship with Jesus Christ. So now I want to step into what James is taking us through. He took us through chapter two and three, which is brutal for me. Um, because I'm a great sinner in that area of the tongue and being wise. And and again, today it hits hard because all three aspects of the passions that James delivers in chapters 4 and 5 are hard-hitting. So what we want to do is I want to take a look at each passion that James shows, and we're going to go verse by verse, and we're going to have to go pretty quickly here in order to get it all in, but we're going to see how these passions, uncontrolled, are actually becoming controlled when we come close to the Word of God, and how it actually helps us dwell together in unity. And so I'm going to kind of show that story through James chapter 4 and James chapter 5. So here's how we go through this thing. Are you ready? So James starts out first, he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. They are totally out of control. And here's the passions. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. In the first part of verse two of chapter four, it says you desire and do not have. That in the Japanese Bible, it's actually one self, a person. My own self is at war with the word of God. I want to have it my way. It's my own ambition and it's my own pride. When it says, you fight and quarrel, that has to do with the tongue, what James has been talking about in the previous chapter. So we see these two kanji. We're going to see one more here. These are going to be the three passions that are going to be repeated and repeated and repeated, verse after verse after verse. So we have oneself, the tongue and our heart. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Where is your heart? Is your heart with the world or is it with God? I'm kind of stretching here just a little bit. I'm, I'm asking you to kind of imagine, okay, there are the three passions here. Myself, my tongue, and my heart. Where are these things? And how are they acting? What is causing them to erupt? These are the passions, again, our tongue, oneself, self, and one's heart. Now, a Japanese believer that reads uh, Japanese language may actually at this point know exactly where I'm going with this. There's one place in Scripture, and it gives you the person, it gives you the place, the environment, and the whole of the story can be illustrated very clearly. They can give you all uh, very clearly the environment that this is taking place in. We'll proceed on to the next verse. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you." Again, oneself is brought up here and in the Japanese Bible you'll see in some translations you'll actually see that the word for pride or the word proud is jiman, which is this kanji here for oneself. Next verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Again, we're looking at the necessity of purifying our hearts. Why? Because they have gotten dirty. Because we have fallen away or we have been soiled by the world that we live in. So purify your heart. So that again, this kanji, the third kanji. So we have the ourselves, the, our tongues, and our heart. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Again, ourself. Okay, I'm getting there. I don't want you to pass out or fall asleep here. We are getting somewhere here. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Again, we can use our tongue in a way that is speaking evil to our neighbor, and this is a passion again of ours, so we have the passion of the tongue, the passion of ourselves, our self-pride, and our hearts, whether they're chasing uh, worldly goods or our own uh, selfish ambitions. Come now, this sounds like me saying to my kids, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Again, this is that, the kanji or the part for oneself, jiman, the pride of one's life. So again, we're seeing these three characters kind of illustrated through James as we look at each verse. And it's kind of like being in one of those tumbling machines where you put the hard rocks in it and they tumble around and they're bouncing all over the place. He's, He's doing this, repeating these three passions over and over and over. The tongue, our hearts, and ourselves. These things that we're battling against. Get those three together my goodness, you have an incredible explosive potential in real bad evil. So, James ends chapter 4 saying, So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Looking at these three passions again, we have the tongue, oneself, and one's heart. Well, with the tongue, as Beth had mentioned, you get this little opening. Uh, to speak, when that opening closes, be quiet, shut up. I need to learn to do that myself. So many times I go beyond and say things that I should not have said. A fool can be seen as a wise person just by that person being quiet and shutting up, not saying anything. That person, a fool, looks wise just because he holds his tongue. Oneself our own desires, our own selfish desires. Uh, In the first message that I gave when I was here, I talked about the fact that I am the most self-centered person on the planet. And the illustration that I gave was when my son and I went up to Whistler and I was using my new snowboard and I wanted him to film me and I wanted to carve up the mountain and show all my friends on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere how great a snowboarder I was. And I go carving up the mountain, and my son is following behind me, and we get down to the designated spot where we're going to stop, and my son comes up, and he's groaning and in pain, and he's saying, Dad, I had a terrible crash. And I said, okay, well, let's go down this way now. Totally oblivious that evening when we went back and we took a look at that video, I saw myself take off and Alexander was following right behind me and then all of a sudden all of you saw was the camera flipping over and over and over and the agony and pain of each fall and crash as my son was hitting mogul after mogul and crashing and then stopped It was pitch black and then the camera was still running and came all the way up to me as my son is panting and, and in pain and groaning and he goes dad I had a terrible accident. Okay, well, let's go off this way. And it's all on tape. The most self-centered person. (laughs) This is oneself. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord, right? But how do you do that? How do we actually do that? In what place? And our hearts, our hearts can easily be captured by the world rather than us capturing the world. It's easy for us to become captives. So whoever knows the right thing to do, sure, you know how to hold your tongue, possibly for a few minutes, Mm -hmm. but can you do it for a long time? Can you do it for extended periods? Do you have that kind of endurance? You know how to be humble momentarily, but can you do it for a lifetime? You know how to protect your heart from the world when people are watching, but can you do it when no one is watching? So whoever knows the right thing to do, and fails to do it for him it is sin. But thankfully, there is somebody that knows exactly the right thing to do. These three kanji, again, I was blown away when I saw what happens here. It is unbelievable. Again, a Japanese Christian will be able to see this story unfold once it's shown to them here. So now I need to back up just as James does, because James is writing to the Jewish people that have been scattered to all the nations, all across the world. And how was it that they got scattered everywhere? The reason they got scattered everywhere was because the Assyrians came in and then spread them everywhere all over the world. Then Babylonians came in and decimated the temple and totally cleaned up everything. In Lamentations, we have the prophet Jeremiah. He's sitting there as a true believer in God. He has gone through the suffering of what the society, his culture, had created. God allowed that Jewish culture to be destroyed. He allowed them to suffer their consequences. We as Christians, James is talking here, also have that same experience. Our world around us is turning their backs against God, their fists towards God, and they're saying we are not going to comply with any of God's rules. And when our culture does end up suffering a massive judgment, we as Christians are going to be in that as well. But we have a faithful merciful Father. We can remember who he is, and we can stand strong in that. So when we look at the next chapter of James, chapter 5, verse 1, I don't want you to think of it in terms of just rich Christians, because I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's talking about our culture that we live in, our affluent culture, our prosperity that we live in. Come now, you rich. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is a good picture of what happened to Israel. You see that when the Babylonians came down and took siege of, of Israel, what was the reason for it? Why did that happen? Why did God allow it to happen? Israel made a promise to God that every seven years they would release the land. Every 70 years they would have (laughs) jubilee. They were not actually allowing people to have what God had given them, a Sabbath. They were ignoring it. And so the Babylonians came in and they took siege of Israel and Jerusalem and destroyed it because of that. That's exactly what he's talking about here. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, you're making them work overtime and you're not paying them. You've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You've condemned and murdered the righteous person. Each time God would send a prophet or someone into Israel to share God's word to them, what would they do to them? They would molest them. They would beat them up. They would kill them. Jesus gives a parable of the wine grower, and he would send servant after servant in, and they would go and kill each one. And then he finally sends his son, and they would kill him. This is a picture of what happens to our culture when we become too indifferent or ignoring God's word or following it we start to seek out our own desires and living for ourselves, grasping after our own desire to have great wealth and prosperity. And we're doing that outside of God's blessing. So again, now we have to go through the next few verses here to kind of get back to our story in this idea of the three passions. But this time, we're gonna look at how we can actually try to manage them from a daily Christian perspective. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. So now we're being exhorted to be patient with our own desires for having things now. We want to have things right now. We live in a microwave culture and I want what I want right now. But James is saying, in order to avoid all kinds of sins, a multitude of sins, like what my dad had read earlier this morning, in order to be able to avoid all that, we need to have patience because when we don't have patience and we go after things, we make one bad mistake. And I've done this numerous times. I go and buy something I want and then that one thing breaks down and I now have to pay something else and something else and it costs me great cost. It's like sin. You go and do one sin and then you do another and another. It just doesn't end. So for oneself to protect ourselves, we need to learn patience to be able to wait on the Lord. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So establish our hearts. We need to actually establish our hearts with God, not with the world. Earlier in James chapter one, James brings up the double-minded. In Japanese, it's it's two-hearted is what it says. So that two hearts, you can't live in a way that isn't at war if you're having your heart possessed by the world and your heart captivated by God. You have to choose one or the other, or you will love one and hate the other. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand, so choose the Lord. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He had talked about us just judging others or quarreling and fighting with others, using our tongue in a way within our midst that is not glorifying to God. When our culture around us falls apart, like it did in Jeremiah's day, and he's looking at just the decimation of the temple and Jerusalem, and he's sitting there and he's mourning, it's easy for one self to Use your tongue to start taking in that environment from outside. Just like your heart can be captivated by the world, we can pick up on the complaints and the bad language or the bad ways of talking from the world. Don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The judge is the Lord. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the lord again oneself you need to have patience behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of job and you have seen the purpose of the lord how the lord is compassionate and merciful so job in his trial he could have gone the way of the world and done with his heart what he wanted to do in trying to rebuild what he had lost on his own. But he waits on the Lord. He's patient. He was steadfast. He kept his heart in the realm and on the side of God, rather than falling into the world's view of his situation. And the Lord, again, is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Again, just watch your tongues. Guard your heart, watch your tongues, and submit yourselves. Guard your heart, watch your tongues, and submit yourselves. Those are good things for us to do, but again, as commands to people, when you give those kinds of commands to your children, watch your tongue today, guard your heart today, submit yourself to your teachers and to you know people in authority over you. Your children need to hear that all the time. We are just children. We need to hear that all the time, but we need someone Someone needs to be that person for us that gives us those commands, that instruction, every single day. Our foundation, our faith is on God's Word, but we need something more. We need a relationship with the person who is the Word. And who is that person? These are our passions, our tongues, ourselves, our hearts. What does it look like when we keep our passions from being at war within us. What would it look like if all three of these things were not at war? James paints a picture of this. He gives us an illustration of what it would look like if these three things were not warring against each other in ourselves. As my dad had read earlier, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? a righteous person? Don't they have all three passions? Don't they have to watch their tongue? Don't they have to submit themselves? Don't they have to guard their hearts? Absolutely. But how do we do that? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Are you kidding? Did he struggle with his tongue? Did he have problems with pride? Did he have a heart that wanted to chase the world? He was tempted like all of us, and yet he chose to stay with the one that could actually help him manage each one of his passions. He was a man like us. He fervently prayed that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. The only way that can happen, it says in James, is that a righteous person can do this. But a righteous person has to be able to have all three things in check. When you put all three of these kanji together, you get the word for rest or relaxation in Japanese. Ikoi. As soon as I say the word ikoi, Every single Christian Japanese on the planet knows what verse that comes from. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That kanji, the kanji that is the three kanji, that we battle every single day of our lives. The tongue, ourself, and our heart, when you put those together, somehow the Creator is able to put those in a place that creates rest and not explosive evil, not quarrels amongst us as brethren and sisters in the church but true love for one another. And it creates what? It creates righteousness. When we submit ourselves to God, when we give ourselves to the Lord as our shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd, the only reason Elijah was able to proclaim the word of God and he stood on the firm foundation of the word, but the only way that he was able to do that was because he had a relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Rest and relaxation in the Lord. Four years ago, I came and gave a message on rest, finding rest. And rest is beautifully illustrated by the kanji of a man standing next to a tree. That kind of makes sense when you see a man or person standing next to the tree, of course, in the heat of the sun, you would have shade, or you'd be able to rest or take a break from your work and rest against the tree and be outside of the sun during your day of work. So that totally makes sense. But this word, these three kanji together, there is only one person that can make this happen, and that's the Lord, our shepherd, and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his, what? For his name's sake, for the Word of God. His name is the Word of God. Why does he want us to be righteous? When we're out proclaiming the Word of God to other people out there, can you imagine what it would be like if we let our passions just run wild? Our passions are the tongue, our self, and our heart. You can't proclaim the Word of God effectively If you are out of control, you need to guard your tongue. You need to submit yourself to God, and you need to guard your heart from the world so that you're not stained. We need this kind of righteousness. How do we get it? We put ourselves in submission to our Lord and Savior. Our Lord is our shepherd. He desires to dwell within us to dwell with us. The second part of Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word for dwell in Japanese language is the Lord and a person standing next to the Lord. In Japanese history, you've got the tonosama and you've got the kerai. You've got a person that is not going to live with his slaves or servants. But that's not the way our Lord is. Our Lord wants us to live right with him. That's what it means to dwell. What does it say to others when Jesus says, they will experience my love because you folks, my followers, are dwelling together in unity? He jealously desires our hearts. He wants to dwell with us. He wants us to dwell together. When we dwell together, who's there? our Lord." That's a perfect picture, again, a great illustration for us to remember that not only do we need the Word as our foundation and we need to be true believers and have faith in God, we also need to have our Lord and hang on to Him. And guess what it says here? It says, You are with me first. You are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And I shall dwell in your house forever because you are with me. You, Lord, are with me. My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, there's the picture of a person standing away from the word. If you bring him back to faith, bring him back to the word, let him know That whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. When you bring someone back to the word and you bring him back into the fold, guess what disappears as well? The multitude of sins. What are those multitude of sins? We just read them in chapter 4. The quarreling amongst ourselves, it goes away, that gets covered. When we're with the Lord, it gets covered. When we stand on his word, it gets covered. There are a massive amount of sins that James does not talk about in this chapter. But he's selected a few of them that we easily fall into, we can fall prey to. And when we stand on God's word, we know that as his word is embedded in us, we become Tightly knitted to him. Why? Because he draws near to us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And I'll close with this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Where two or three are gathered in my name. My name? What is my name? The word of God. God. When two or three people gather together because we have the foundation of the Word of God. That's his name. From the beginning of time, it was the Word of God. At the end of the age, it is the Word of God. When two or three are gathered in my name. There I am, the Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. I am there among them. Faith and truth, and our belief, and we're dwelling with the Lord God Almighty. That is not something any other religion or any other person can promise, but our Lord and Savior, our Shepherd, He promises to dwell with us.
1: Thank you Kent. Is father like son or son like father? (laughs) We have just finished going through the book of Revelation. The last of Revelation. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the immoral persons and murderers the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, come. And let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Father, thank you that you are speaking to each one of us who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And as we leave this place today, we ask that your Spirit would continue to emphasize and to speak this word to us over and over again this week. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that this is not something just on the surface, but it's deep in each one of our hearts. Your word is a double-edged sword, piercing even to the innermost being. We thank you for the fact that your Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we could walk in this way as Elijah, as the apostles, and as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown us the way, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we take these words seriously. We take this word that you've delivered to us with a sense of submitting to you, allowing your Holy Spirit to continue to talk to us this week. And Lord, we ask you to give us the grace and the strength to go to those who we have injured, disagreed with, have not thought good thoughts toward one another. There are things in our life that need to fall away, that you need to cleanse us, you need to make us clean washed our robes in your blood thank you that you have not left us without a comforter and thank you for the holy spirit who will goes goes with us now speak to us to continue to encourage us and to continue to lay before us the way of rest not trying to be good in ourselves, not trying harder and harder. Lay back to your arms and to your provision, to your cross, in your way, your will, be done on earth as it is in heaven, amen. Amen.